How can companies use generative AI tools to create advertising campaigns that can be protected by intellectual property rights while avoiding and minimizing third-party intellectual property liability? I'm Poe, a partner in Manat's advertising, marketing, and media practice, and this is Perfect Balance, an advertising law podcast from Manat. One of the hottest issues today in legal circles, as well as in corporate boardrooms and among business executives, marketers, and tech professionals, is artificial intelligence, or AI. And one particular category of AI, generative AI, which creates new content in the form of images, text, and audio, such as photographs, artwork, music, videos, books, letters, and even contract templates, has been dominating the news captivating our imagination and stoking fear due to this technology's potential to completely disrupt the way we live and work and interact with each other and with machines. AI technology has been around for years, but in the past several months, the adoption of AI, especially generative AI, has been spreading like wildfire, not just among the tech savvy, but among students, professionals, and casual tech users. In this podcast, I would like to focus on the intellectual property issues related to using generative AI in marketing campaigns. To discuss these complex issues, I have with me today two of my partners based in our Los Angeles office, Jessica Wood, who is a partner in our intellectual property protection and enforcement group, and Nat Bach, who is an entertainment litigation partner. Nat, welcome back to this podcast. And Jessica, this is your first time. Welcome. Thanks, Paul. Great to be back. Thank you, Paul. Jessica, what are the key IP ownership issues that companies should consider when using generative AI tools to create an ad campaign? I think when we look at the ownership, it's helpful to have a brief overview about how most of these generative AI platforms perform. Most generative AI platforms have three main components. There's the input, which is what the user directs the AI platform to do. So that can be a text prompt, an image, a musical note, or other data that's provided by the user. Then there's the output, which could be music, artwork, text, video, code, or a number of other items that you mentioned previously. Then the third part is how does the AI platform work? To generate the content, AI models are trained to understand the relationship between creative content and the words used to describe the requested content or the images input that are requested for output content. Many of the generative AI platforms are trained by processing vast quantities of data and other information from various sources, including across the internet. So then who owns the copyright in the AI-generated materials? That's a great question. And this is the question that we get asked the most. So one place that we look is at the terms of service and the terms of use for generative AI platforms. And interestingly, they're all vastly different. Some grant a license to the output. Some provide a tiered system for who owns output content, depending on the package that you pay for or other qualifications. Some AI platforms restrict commercial use of the content generated on their platforms. Many AI platforms do not provide any standard legal protections, including representations, warranties, and indemnities. 
And some AI platforms require users to indemnify the platforms for their users' exploitation of the output. Jessica, and one thing I would add is that this space is moving incredibly quickly. And I can remember looking back at terms of service for various platforms several months ago, and then just a month or so later, they have been changed. So folks are reacting in real time to legal developments, comments by the Copyright Office, litigation that has been filed and figuring out where the risks are and how they might be updating their terms of service accordingly. So diligence is required here. I understand that different platforms may treat ownership issues differently, but what does the Copyright Office say about all this? Yes. In the U.S., generally, the Copyright Office has taken the position that users do not own the copyrights in AI-generated materials at all. The U.S. Copyright Office says that AI-generated works generally do not qualify for copyright protection because there is no human authorship involved or not sufficient human authorship involved in their creation. The decision is currently being challenged in federal court. But as it stands, that's the rule. Their basis for this decision is that the current text prompt-based input generates results that are too unpredictable to be considered human expression. But they will consider different models as the technology evolves on a case-by-case basis. And there is a slight loophole or exception that if a human adds something creative to an AI-generated work, that may be protectable. And also the selection and arrangement of text and other human authorship is also protectable if it's added to an AI-generated work. Given the current state of uncertainty on copyright ownership, I understand that companies using AI to generate content should be aware that if they cannot own copyright to the content, they cannot transfer the content to others. And they may also face challenges in seeking legal recourse against others who use such AI-generated content without permission. But what are some of the potential IP risks that these companies face from third parties based on their own use of generative AI? There are several places that we want to think about risk here both from a pre-litigation standpoint and if and when claims are filed. On the input side of things, when we're thinking about using generative AI platforms, whether text-to-image, text-to-video, or chatbots, both the input and the output are critical points that we need to consider. For the input, you need to consider whether the prompts that you or your employees are using are protectable or implicate the rights of others. And that control is up to the user, whether you're putting into ChatGPT to create a script, putting into MidJourney to generate a storyboard for a potential ad campaign. We're influenced constantly by what we've seen and what we've seen and read may very well be protected already. And I think that there's a perhaps an assumption among those who are less familiar with the technology or the legal doctrine that simply by putting an AI process in the middle of their creative endeavors, that they are somehow cleansing the output or from the input and decoupling liability. And that's certainly not true. In fact, I think misunderstandings around how generative AI works, both from a technical level and the rights that are implicated, can only heighten the risks in situations like this. So a user of generative AI could in fact be liable for using copyrighted or otherwise protected materials, including those protected by right of publicity or the Lanham Act for trademarks, for example, 
when prompting generative AI processes in order to create their output. And whether that would be a licensable type of use otherwise is a question that legal departments, companies, brands, and ad agencies need to be considering, especially when they're considering this type of use in the commercial context. And I think that's a really important overlay when we're talking about advertising, and that's what we're talking about on this podcast here, is that so often when we think about the fair use line and the transformative line in the First Amendment context or under the Lanham Act, we're thinking about whether a use is commercial or non-commercial. Here, we're living in the land of the commercial. And so a lot of the defenses and a lot of the arguments that users might have available to them otherwise are simply not going to be available in this particular type of context. There is a lot to think about in what you just said about input, but let's talk about the output. As an entertainment litigator, how do you think about third-party liability risks associated with AI-generated output? Yeah, with the output, I think it's really a critical focus. It would be a mistake to think that just because an AI process is involved, that the output will somehow be transformative or will so transform the input as to make it an entirely new original work. And detailed comparisons between the input and the output, to the extent that you know can determine that, are going to be critical. Looking at the Getty Images complaint, for example, it's littered with particularly eye-catching and egregious examples of similarities between copyrighted protected works from Getty Images library and works that have come out the other end of the AI platform that are distorted in certain ways, but still bear the hallmarks of Getty's images and their watermarks. And I think particularly in the wake of the Supreme Court's recent decision in Andy Warhol Foundation versus Goldsmith, that holding was seven to two, and I think it arguably weakened the case for transformativeness through generative AI, at least where the purpose of the use is similar, and especially where the use is commercial. In Warhol, the Supreme Court drew distinctions between the purpose in the parody context, which was one of the big arguments that Warhol's side had advanced in oral argument and in their briefing, and that harkened back to the key fair use case in Campbell versus Acuff Rose, which was focused on a parody musical work. And the Supreme Court noted that the foundation of parody is commentary on and use of the original work. But where there's no reference back to the original work for such commentary, the nature and purpose of the use is less likely to be protected. And that's one of the lessons that we can learn from Warhol as it relates to generative AI. And particularly when most AI platforms are not representing and warranting that their output is original and not infringing, that presents a significant risk, particularly in the commercial context. So again, there's nothing magic about the AI process that somehow absolves the user from liability. And that's one of the fundamental lessons that I'd like folks to leave here with. And in fact, given the unfamiliarity of the process and how it interacts with the legal doctrines we've been discussing, using AI, which is an incredibly powerful tool and can help companies, may also heighten legal risks for unsophisticated users, particularly when you're outsourcing with an advertising agency or other vendors that may not have the same understanding and best practices that you yourselves may have uh, internally. Jessica. You're an IP lawyer who advises on third-party clearance issues as well as copyright protection issues. What do you think about the liability issues we just discussed? One of the major risks is the unpredictability and the secretive nature of the training data. 
So a lot of times we don't know uh, if the output is infringing or not because we don't know what it was based on. The platforms are supposed to be creating new content, completely new, but we don't know. And like we've seen in certain examples, there is obviously underlying works that are, like Nat said, very similar, potentially substantially similar in the output. AI platforms don't always identify the source or inspiration for their works, which means the output can be potentially infringing and you wouldn't even know it. We can't always trust the output. There is a lot of uh, issues right now regarding trust with AI, but the platforms tend to be glitchy. They hallucinate and sometimes they accidentally completely copy. They might be giving false or dangerous or misinformation. There is also potential gender and racial biases included within the output. And AI platforms generally disclaim liability for infringement. And just to add to Jessica's points, you know, I think there's a couple of things that we want to consider as the landscape of the tools becomes clearer. First of all, know your platform. A lot of the uncertainty around the training data stems from uncertainties around the corpus of material that's being scraped or potentially fed. I think as the market continues to develop, we are going to see tools that are more our smaller gardens, trained off smaller bodies of data, bodies of licensed data, and that may provide more protection to users and licensees of those particular pieces of software. So that's something to, to look forward to and, and to think about. And secondly, not every type of media is created alike. There are billions more images than there are songs, for example, available for models to ingest, scrape, copy potentially, or otherwise train their models on. And so when we're thinking about the different types of media and the different types of work, that may also play into the risk profile that is at play for each of them. This is all really interesting and scary from a legal perspective, especially in the context of social media where AI may be used by influencers. I think there's a temptation for brands to want to act quickly and to leverage organic posts from influencers or other even non-commercial, non-influencer users. But there's no guarantee that the content creator has all the rights in what they've posted, particularly with respect to music. And even now, reposting content by brands can turn an expressive protected use of music into a commercial one in the advertising context that might violate and go outside of the types of commercial licenses that are provided by some of these platforms. And so brands will need to be particularly attuned to that, including in the AI context. If the music is AI generated, does that help insulate the brand? Well, maybe yes, maybe no. The work may not be copyrighted or even copyrightable, but if that track was created in a manner in which it infringed on a sound recording or other rights, including someone's right of publicity, then that may cause problems. And of course, just because a brand has an agreement with an influencer under which the influencer is providing IP reps and warranties, as well as indemnity against third-party claims with respect to the influencer's content, the brand cannot rely on such reps and warranties and indemnity to insulate itself from the IP risk. That's right. And you know, you're going back to what is your representation and warranty and indemnification worth at the end of the day if the rights holder of a sound recording comes calling? And consider the deep fake Drake in the weekend track that received so much attention. As soon as that unauthorized deep fake is used in advertising, 
it implicates both the right of publicity and Lanham Act false endorsement risks that might not otherwise exist when it's just for consumption by fans or those who might be interested in what the technology can do. So brands may be attracted to songs and social media posts because they seem like they were generated by known celebrities, but simply because those songs were created using AI does not let them off the hook. As we've discussed, it's really to the contrary. These are all very complex issues that companies need to think about when using AI. To illustrate how these issues may play out in the real world, I'd like to introduce a hypothetical. A brand is launching a new line of kitchen appliances with the retro design inspired by the 1950s kitchen and asks its creative agency to come up with an advertising campaign that matches the 50s theme. The agency uses a popular generative AI tool to create images of various 50s kitchens using its client's new retro line of kitchen appliances. The client loves the images and asks the creative agency to produce a series of print ads, billboards, and digital ads based on these images. So Jessica, can the brand own the images generated by this AI tool? I think there's a mixture of components here that we're talking about. There's images of the brand's appliances that were potentially input by the agency. There's images of the kitchens that were generated entirely by the AI model. And there's possibly some text or copy or other original graphics overlaid as well. In this case, the brand can own the copyrights in certain elements, such as the underlying images and photos of their own appliances. They can own original text and other original graphics that were created by humans. And they can own the copyrights in the selection and arrangement of these elements and any other human authorship. Under the current Copyright Office guidelines, the brand cannot own the copyright in the portion of the images to the extent they were AI generated. This generally means the pictures of the kitchens. And interestingly, the agency cannot own it and they cannot transfer it to the brand. It so happens that the 50s kitchen looks very much like a picture of a set from a popular 50s TV show, although the appliances featured are all from the brand's new line. Nat, what do you think about this situation? Are there potential third-party IP risks here? Well, the minefield of IP risks uh, continues here. (laughs) There are a lot of fact-dependent questions here about how the model is trained. And just because something looks like something else does not mean you necessarily have an infringement problem at the end of the day. There are a lot of questions here when we're talking about a 1950s kitchen, which is so common that pertain to originality and whether the underlying images would be protectable in the first instance. And certainly if we're talking about a 1950s TV show, was that colorized? Were the pictures that are being used now colorized? Is the particular arrangement of appliances in a kitchen an original copyrightable representation when it's fixed into film? And how does that interact with the potential output that we're talking about here in the new advertising campaign? I think in the 1950s, you know, we're sort of familiar with, and I'm thinking maybe back to my grandmother's kitchen about particular styles on individual tiles and wallpaper and things like that. Again, there might be more of an overlap or less of an overlap And looking back to what is actually the copyrightable and copyright registered work that could be protected as against the new ad campaign would be important. 
Well, let me make it more complex and add another element to the hypothetical. The agency now asked the AI tool to create a virtual image of a 50s housewife. What additional legal concerns do you have? Well, my first concerns may go more to reputational and consumer-related facing concerns than they are necessarily intellectual property concerns. Whether the image of the 1950s housewife implicates a particular archetype, a particular race, and particular location and socioeconomic class that may or may not track to what the brand wants to reflect and what reflects their values today. But nevertheless, on the IP front, who does that new image look like? Does it look like a famous individual who was active in the 1950s? Does it look like Betty Draper from the Mad Men series? And what rights does the brand need to consider if it does? Does the potentially deceased individual, an actor from the 1950s, have protectable rights, posthumous rights in their image, in their likeness, or not? And so again, that's one of the issues that may need to be considered, separate and apart from questions about bias and representation as it relates to the brand itself. Jessica, what do you think? I would say when we're looking at whether the image looks like another person or potentially violates a third party's publicity or right of privacy, one tip might be that you know users should not prompt the platform to create a person in the style of someone or something that exists to try to be really more thoughtful about what input you're putting in so that it doesn't look like a third party and you know try to avoid that liability. I also will say that, again, this is not necessarily a legal issue, but sort of to piggyback off of what Nat said, there are ethical considerations and cultural biases to be aware of in the output. There's research that suggests that AI image generators reflect racial and gender bias in their output. For example, there was one tool that was found to link white men with the prompt of CEO or director approximately 97% of the time. So this is definitely something that creators, content creators want to be aware of when they're using these AI tools. Another issue sort of along those lines is in the news recently, Levi released an ad featuring a black model created using AI, and they received a lot of backlash for missing the importance of hiring diverse models with respect to representation in the fashion industry. So that's just another thing to be aware of. Based on this conversation, it's not surprising that there are a lot of risks in using generative AI in marketing campaigns, but the companies will continue to use it and the use will evolve as the technology further develops. So before we close, I'd like to ask each of you to provide a couple of tips for companies using AI as technology continues to develop. Nat, let's start with you. Sure. I think first of all, it's to understand the technology as best as you can. This is new for a lot of folks. It's coming up on about, I think, seven months since ChatGPT was widely introduced in fall of 2022. And so much has happened in the intervening half year since. So get familiar with the technology. Don't simply outsource it to others to make those decisions. The more you have an understanding, your company has an understanding of its workings and subject matter expertise, that will help you understand what you can create how you can do it and how you can do it in a way that will be less likely to implicate the third party rights of others. My second piece of advice is as fast as the technology is moving, the state of the law is also moving very quickly uh, as it relates to AI. 
Not only is the US Copyright Office acting quickly, they recently finished a series of four listening sessions to better understand the views of stakeholders in the visual arts, in music, dramatic works, et cetera. And advice may change. Courts are wrestling with these issues for based on pending lawsuits. And there are a lot of lobbyists and industry groups that are considering new legislation to potentially fill holes that they see in the legal landscape or to otherwise accommodate and account for the new technology. And so staying abreast of all of those issues is a challenge for each of us, particularly those of us who are living and breathing this day to day, but it's going to be very important for companies to stay abreast of as well. From a practical perspective, brands can discuss in advance, and it's important to have the discussions in advance with the agencies about how they're planning to use AI to create works, to what extent they're going to do that, what platform they're using, and what rights they have in the content. And these discussions should be held up front. They can evaluate also whether additional indemnification, warranties, or representations are needed up front. When working with AI, agencies can avoid using prompts that are in the style of, and they can upload reference materials that they own or that are in the public domain or that are already cleared. Brands can ask an agency to use AI tools in a different way. For example, they could use AI-generated materials as reference materials for inspiration of new original human-authored materials. They can also use AI-generated materials to develop mock-ups for a pitch or create the storyboard for a shoot, but maybe not in the final product. Or they can create mixed works that contain both AI and human-generated content. Then they can seek copyright protection over the human-created parts of the work, including the selection arrangement of non-protectable elements. They can require the agency upfront to disclose AI-generated content. And when applying for protection in the Copyright Office, they should be sure to disclose and exclude any AI-generated content from a copyright application. Thank you, Nat and Jessica, for taking this time to dive deeper into the rapidly developing landscape of AI and sharing your perspective on how advertising campaigns can use generative AI tools that are protected by IP rights, while also minimizing third-party IP risk. And thank you, listeners, for joining us once again for this episode of Perfect Balance, an advertising law podcast from Manat. To learn more about AI and its legal implications, please find a recent Manat webinar from our entertainment group available for download now. And as always, feel welcome to reach out with any questions that you may have. If you enjoyed today's discussion, please subscribe to Perfect Balance and Advertising Law Podcast from Manat to receive updates about future episodes. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Perfect Balance, an Advertising Law Podcast from Manat. The views expressed on the podcast reflect the personal views and opinions of the participants and are not intended to constitute legal advice or counsel under any circumstance. Downloading and listening to this recording do not result in the formation of an attorney-client or other business relationship. You should not act on any information in the podcast without seeking the advice of a competent attorney licensed to practice in your jurisdiction. 